Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Uh, to be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll-free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive, an overcast Thursday. Looks like we could get some rain overnight and tomorrow, but it looks like uh, nice weather for the weekend. And we'll be talking about uh, a lot of things coming up this weekend and much more. There is uh, there's some news that's happened over the last 24 hours. Um, let's see. Auburn Auburn has a there, – there, there is a change in the on-field coaching lineup for Auburn. Auburn has uh, added another commitment. I mean, man, it's it's been rather busy as we get ready for the Ole Miss Rebels this Saturday. All the best to Crime Dog, right? Like we don't know exactly what's you know, but it's it's uh, you know, it, it sounds like if it was if if something's going on off the field, then yeah, want to want to extend our best wishes. We'll see if that's a temporary thing or if if that move lasts the uh, the, the rest of the season. But yeah, a little little bit of a shakeup in the coaching staff. Uh, yesterday. Yep. Uh, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, hey. along Hello. with Bill and Dan here in the studio and Drew at the controls. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's been a little busy. Yesterday, you mm-hmm. were up in Birmingham for uh, the uh, Men's Basketball Media Day. Yeah. Uh, you, you get back and uh, there's a there's there's been a there's been a change mm-hmm. in the staff. And then uh, today, earlier, Auburn picks up a commitment from a very highly touted 2025 yeah. prospect yeah it's definitely been busy I, I guess the thing there with with crime obviously like dan said you hope on you know, uh all is all is well and it, you know whatever situation this is i have no information and and or anything like that but right. that it get sorted out um and that you know crime will be able to you know come back uh to auburn on a full it, it was interesting the the reporting was that you know he hadn't left the team it's right. just He's on still field, a part of the still team part of the team so um, and I would also say, well, Tanner Burns has done a really good job uh, this year as Auburn's special teams kind of coach leader uh, in an off-the-field capacity. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are really, really high on him. <clears throat> and I would say – Pretty good pitcher too, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a and, different Tanner Burns. Yeah, it is. Right? It's, just, it's just unusual that at Auburn you yeah, have Auburn, mm-hmm. Auburn had two a different Tanner Burns. Auburn had a pitcher on the 2020 staff. Uh, the, the Former first-round pick. First-round mm-hmm. pick, Tanner Burns, yeah. So. Uh, but uh, I would say also if there is a position group that you would feel like could handle a shakeup pretty well, it's probably one that's got Nehemiah Pritchett and DJ James and, you know, kindly and – and those guys, because it's just that that group has just a ton of experience and and and, and, Zach, and Zach and Zach has coached everybody know, corners and safeties. Yeah, so I mean that we'll, we'll see how that goes. But then yeah, the uh, commitment today uh, from from D Reddick uh, out of uh, uh, I believe it's uh, Thomasville. Thomasville, yeah, um, really highly rated player, top fifty player in his class, number one overall athlete. Looks like a DB mostly, right? Um, uh, really good, you know, kind of safety prospect. Yeah, a lot of people project he's 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 rated very highly by a lot of folks as a as a free safety type. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, top fifty type of player. Well, I was going to need help back there as you were talking about all the experience that Auburn oh, yeah. has back there. 
Mm-hmm. They're gonna, you know, they, sure. they they need some some young guys coming yeah. in. Is there a position where Auburn's gonna tell uh, a top fifty, top seventy five type? Oh. No, nah, no, thanks. We're good. We're all stocked up here. No, no, you're Tell right. Them. Well, he is listed as the number one athlete yes. yeah. in the country by by uh, which, which leaves leaves some wiggle room as far as where you know how yeah. he's being recruited. But sure. it does seem like the consensus would be that people think he's a safety. safety. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you you have a you know earlier this week you get a commitment from a from a 2025 kid who um, I believe I'm, I'm sure y'all had Jason on earlier in the week uh, I heard him talk about kind of reminds him a lot of Dontavious Russell coming out of high school just that kind of mm-hmm. big gap plug in type right. of defensive tackle um, so it's 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 been a really interesting uh, you know last 24 hours for sure for Auburn and and I'm sure at some point we'll get into um the day michigan's had this is that's been a, yeah that's it been, is it has been a pretty uh, fascinating one it really well. has i mean uh yes the ncaa all right let's let's go ahead and jump into that too the the ncaa uh investigating michigan for and and when you first read it it sounds like well so what's the big deal for stealing signals but it's for scouting it's for having someone at the games scouting and that is explicitly a no-no yeah. from the NCAA. Using binoculars and, like, trying to get the signals. And right. Do a lot. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's about as Because when I first saw it, I went, well, you know, you can you can get some of that on TV, but you, you're you mm-hmm. not yep. – you know, the cameras aren't always showing yep. the plays being signaled in. Yeah, yeah, and it's not illegal or against the rules to steal signals. No, if you're, if, you're, if you're good enough to be on the other side of the field and hey. figure out what they're doing, hey. then more power to you. Hey. I, I would encourage folks to read at the Yahoo Sports Store is Dellinger and Dan Wetzel, who I think were among the first here and go into some pretty yeah. extensive detail as far as what Michigan is accused of and how it runs contrary to NCAA mm-hmm. rules. So, and I'll, and I'll read here, quote, at issue, according to sources, is whether Michigan used unnamed individuals to attend games of both scheduled opponents and possible college football playoff opponents in an effort to gather information on the signs they use to call both offensive and defensive plays. Sign stealing is not yeah. technically prohibited and has a long and colorful history as part of the game. Uh, whether the NCAA believes Michigan was using staffers or others who may be loyal to the program is unknown. Uh, and then the, it goes into some some questions there. But the the notion of, of hiring people to go to your future opponent's games mm-hmm. and attempt to decode what is happening on the sidelines that would be against the rules oh, it, it is it, it reminds it, me it, a lot yeah, of, it, it reminds me a lot of the patriots scandal as well you know you have guys showing up and and, and trying to get you know information you know outside of a, outside of the boundaries of a game people speaking on behalf of two teams that michigan has played this year mm-hmm. told yahoo sports they became aware during the game that michigan knew their play signs so there are allegations that teams Michigan has played this year yeah. uh, uh, felt like Michigan somebody knew what dug, was happening. Somebody dug up a video of, uh, I believe it was Greg Chiano at the halftime. <clears throat> you know, you have the thing where the the TV reporter will go talk to one one coach heading into the halftime locker room, mm-hmm. and he makes a comment. It's like, yeah, something's not right here. And, you know, kind of a – at that time, Rutgers had been playing pretty well, and I think they were still in the game at that point. They ended up getting whooped in the second half, but <clears throat> it is funny to kind of go back and look and, and, and see, like, there's some people who already had some red flags raised uh, there about Michigan. And it's so funny, too. Like, Dan, you, you brought it up. 
you know, in that story, um, it's like, you know, scouting future opponents. I'm sure, you know, they're doing it to Ohio State and Penn State and, and the like and future college football playoff opponents. But it is kind of funny that they would use signals like that in what has been like the – it's going to be the easiest first two months of a season oh, I've yeah, ever no seen kidding. a team, and, and a team uh, have in like major college football as a, as a powerhouse program. And the Big Ten announcing that Michigan State has been, you know, contacted, pretty much told, change – change your yeah, signals you better you better you better change it up yeah and that's the thing it's really interesting that you know um it isn't illegal to steal signs i think this goes back to like the like the astros thing as yeah well. i mean it's if, like if, if you can do it do it but you can't use all you know extra no, means you, of, yeah with, with the astros you you can't have somebody you know out there signaling things in and different things like that if you're but <clears throat> but if the if one team is either not good enough or lazy or too lazy to hide what they're sending in, then it's shame on them. So, so as far as uh, the the uh, legality of it, there is a you know like I think that it's it's a clear violation if any electronic equipment is used to record or or transmit. So I guess if you're if you're filming mm-hmm. uh, people uh, using using signals uh, to 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 archive it or or uh, try to try to inspect it later, that's against the rules. If you used audio to relay what what the signs say i guess the stolen like the relay the information that's a rule and there's also that they note in the yahoo sports story uh the uh the the rule book expresses the need for coaches to follow the football code and uh, states quote only the highest standards of sportsmanship and conduct right. are expected of players coaches and others associated with the game unquote so so maybe the ncaa can sort of if there's if there's not a uh, if it, if there's not a by the book violation, but there's an understanding that this runs contrary to the football code, they can attempt. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the next step. There would was be. there was a report that came out earlier this week that Michigan was about to give Harbaugh the biggest contract in the Big Ten this week. <laughs> well, that's good timing. Yeah, man. and the timing is just really really interesting. Michigan's got Michigan's got. I mean, their chancellor or president or whatever has to go. You know, yeah. let's wait a little bit now. Meanwhile, um, the NCAA uh, coming out with a statement earlier this afternoon saying, hey, we're not going to comment on any investigation or anything like that. Sure. Um, it is funny, though, that, like, the NCAA won't comment on that, but, like, it got out. Like, the NCAA's investigating. The Big like, Ten has pretty much commented on yeah, it. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, like somebody, somebody the NCAA wanted somebody to know <laughs> that they knew what was going on. Something I am – totally in the dark about and i guess this gets back to uh, it's it's not on the same sort of level of seriousness as the allegations against northwestern but i'm in the dark about it the way i was in the dark about what was happening in the northwestern locker room is how widespread is this in college athletics like is this is this one is is michigan doing something they invented and no one else is doing or is this something that's more prevalent than people realize and this is just an example of, of someone being brazen or getting sloppy or getting caught. The article uh, from Yahoo Sports actually mentions apparently Clemson had a reputation for doing this during the Dabo Swinney years, and a lot of that circled around Brent Venables. Uh, that, that There's a paragraph in the Yahoo Sports mm-hmm. article talking about, I believe that well, there, was not- a, there was a playoff game with Justin Fields where yeah. Ohio State decided in the middle of the game to stop using signals because yeah. they believed Clemson 
had advanced knowledge of what they were doing. Y'all know the urban legend about the 2013 title game, right? Oh, yeah. That Auburn had Florida State signals, and once in the second half when Jimbo started just getting Jameis to walk over to call to and telling him to play like in his ear, that's when Florida State's offense got going again. It got going. Auburn still should have won the game. They still should have won that. the game for sure. But a big reason, I mean, that was that was uh, at that point in time heading in that heading into that game, Florida State was one of the best offenses anybody had ever seen mm-hmm. in college football, and Auburn did a great job of shutting them down in the first half. That's always been alleged out of out of Tallahassee that you know, hey, Auburn had the signals when that changed up. State was able to come back and, and you know, obviously I've, 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 I've heard some Auburn people talking about Alabama a couple of times. Oh yeah, absolutely. In, in the Iron Bowl it, games. It, it, like if that your team, to, if yeah. your team has had a great is is a is a very very good offense, and all of a sudden they get shut down, um, then then you 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 have to wonder. A little bit. Was it just a great game plan, or did they know something? And, Michigan, and you remember, and you remember the thing with Auburn in 2013 was Damian Craig had just come from from Florida State right. as well. It just a little easier well, then overlap. Shame like on that. Jimbo, exactly. For, I mean, that's that's one of the things. One of the first things you should think when your coach but goes hey, somewhere. But hey, hey, I will go play. back and point it out again. Has anyone ever really accused Jimbo Fisher as a head coach of of being the masterful tac- tactician? Well, he, he figured it out in that game in time. But okay, but you're fi- right. But other, figuring it but out, yeah, yeah. And, and not think or not thinking. Hey, maybe the maybe the guy maybe the guy who used to coach for us may know something about so how if, we run our run maybe our. Maybe we should have changed things. If yeah. Michigan is the quarterbacks coach at Florida yeah. State, right? If Michigan's is guilty, like if they're guilty of what's uh, they're accused of, like what what should happen next? Like what I mean is this? That's the, that that is the other thing. I have no idea what happens at that point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how serious the NCAA considers this, or do I, they go back and say, all right. um if if they're found guilty of doing this, do they have to like go back and forfeit the games they won? Yeah, or, I don't know because this goes deeper and it's obviously more connected. Like the only th- the NCAA usually penalizes teams for things to do with players. Yeah, and you know uh, benefits. The only comparable could a team lose postseason eligibility? Over I'd see. That's I would what say I'll, yes. Yeah, they probably should. The comp- Michigan's number two, right? Could a team lose postseason eligibility? Over the only comparable big, thing I big, can but remember. But will the NCAA get anything done by the big, end of this big season? Ten, big no, Ten. No. Well, the Big Ten's also under the gun here because at least I mean this could have been in a conference game. Yeah, maybe the Big Ten. The Big uh, Ten can step in, in and say you're not eligible for the Big Ten championship I'm, or postseason. I mean, if this yeah, happened in a conference game, I think it's fair to say, like, should you? Yeah, be remember the to Wake Forest thing? Yeah, you know, the 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 radio guy uh, giving the giving oh, the signals. Yeah, yeah. like I, that's the only thing I can remember in college football recently of like anything related to this but then again this is even deeper because this is a coaching staff allegedly a coaching Mm -hmm. staff and a program orchestrating something like that not somebody going rogue and just being like it would also be another thing if it'd be like if if uh, michigan guys were just like hey we went to these games and then we're gonna feed the feed the michigan uh program just fans yeah our fans are are are, are people who are connected to the program and just feeding them information it's a different thing if you can see it's a you know i think one of the things that it was alleged by um other teams like this is a network of of you know this is a plan this is something that they they don't and also keep in mind not too. somebody also pointed out this today not too long ago they had that weird thing about that michigan Assistant coach getting getting fired with the computer. Uh, that we don't. Yeah, we don't know what illegal or, or improper stuff he was accessing. You know, on the on the computer network. Right, right? and just it's just like it, it's just a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. And I'm not the first person to mention this, but it's also funny because it is Michigan and it is Jim Harbaugh and it is oh 
we win more national titles if the SEC wasn't cheating so much. I mean, that's been their mo for a long time. That's that's just what Michigan does. They play the you know we are we are better than all of this. We are Michigan, and then you get kind of hit with stuff like this. <clears throat> you know that I'm not going to go cop for the NCAA here, but like the whole thing with Harbaugh and the recruiting violations recently. It's it is oh ever since he's been there. Every, yeah, it's, it's been funny. something it's ever like, since it's, he's been it, there. It, it's it's funny that that you get into that situation um when you are the the school that more than any other that i think of in major college football tries to say well we we do things the right way and it it, it's just so tough that everyone else cheats in general i think we as a culture enjoy when somebody who portrays you know who 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 likes to portray themselves as above the fray right it's like ah we're above all that then it's Mm -hmm. like no you're not you're just like the rest of us like you're maybe maybe just better at it yeah or had been or maybe you're worse than the rest of us. maybe you're up maybe you're up to real real uh no no good but no i i think the question of uh because because there's nothing you could do to send a bigger message than postseason eligibility right like to me that's i mean nothing realistic on the table where if you i mean the message they could send by Oof, like that, that is, and it's, and it, it does, I, I mean, I, I do subscribe to the argument it would punish the players uh, some, but uh, it also would send a pretty clear message about that they'd fight them on it. So uh, I don't know, they, I maintain, like if, if Michigan is found to have actually done the stuff, like what, what's the next step and, and what happens next? All right, we'd love to hear from you. We're just getting underway here on the Thursday drive with uh, Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson, Drew at the controls. And you can join us on the Drive Hotline, presented by Skybar Cafe, and that number is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. We'll get to our first break. Come on in here on the Thursday Drive. This is Lee County Revenue Commissioner Olene Price. When we have the opportunity to assist residents, DNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Ferguson, we were just saying, yeah, it's it's been pretty busy. So uh, um, what all can folks find when they go to the Observer? What you got coming up? Yeah, a ton of stuff at the Observer this week. Um, story today, I uh, wrote uh, a pretty big notebook from SEC Basketball Media Days talking to Bruce Pearl, Jalen Williams, Jani Broom. It was a good time there yesterday. By the way, if you don't know yet, um, if you, and in case folks have missed this news, uh, 1.30 Saturday afternoon, uh, Auburn is going to have an open practice uh, at the arena, um, free to the public. Uh, just show up, go to the main entrance. They're not going to let you in on the scholarship yep, side. on the top side, the north yeah. side. And you'll one thirty to three thirty. You'll get out just in time for Tiger Walk. I mean, it'll be it'll mm-hmm. be a really good uh, uh, day there. But yeah, got that. Uh, I wrote a few stories this week, kind of previewing Auburn Ole Miss in a different way. One, um, kind of breaking down like what Auburn is going to try to do on offense what they could do on offense to tweak things number two um I found some really crazy and 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 really I mean I think under maybe undervalued numbers from for Auburn's outside receivers this year and just like how big of a deal that is like they have not been able to produce and how that has just impacted the offense as a whole uh had a story yesterday on Auburn's defense uh, fun fun number here. Over the last 10 years in SEC play, Auburn's defense 
is more than a touchdown better at home than they are on the road. Auburn really needs to get back into that uh, on 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 Saturday against Ole Miss. We've got mailbag on Saturday this week. Um, tomorrow, thirteen for thirteen, I did a uh, run through the Auburn A and M game from twenty thirteen. A lot of memories from that one. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have coverage all weekend long. Uh, podcast preview went up. Uh, shoot, that was today. Um, and uh, we'll have recaps and all that on, on Sunday. So a good, ton of stuff uh, at the Observer, AuburnObserver.com. A good podcast for folks who didn't check it out. That's a fun one that we did uh, previewing the, the Ole Miss game. And, and we were talking about, on yesterday's show, things Auburn might try at receiver. I know you wrote yeah. where so, – so Auburn had the two plays to Camden Brown. Mm-hmm. And LSU, the RPO slants. LSU adjusts a little bit to try yep. to take away the RPO slant. Yep, that forces when a team is trying to deny that. That sort of forces Auburn outside receivers into matchups that haven't been yeah uh, statistically yeah. favorable this year. Yeah, basically. So uh, it, it kind of comes down to this, and then RPO. Um, you read whether you're going to run or throw based on what the defense does, and a lot of times what you run in this offense is based on what the defense does to you pre-snap. Um, Cameron Brown gets those back-to-back slants uh, in in the in the end of the first quarter against LSU because uh, LSU was playing off coverage. And so there's easy to kind of easier to go underneath, hit the slant, big play. LSU countered by pressing their corners up and towards the line of scrimmage and, and like getting really on on guys tight before the snap what that does in an rpo offense and an option route is say is a signal that says hey you're one-on-one they're playing tight beat them deep that's just that's the simple that's what you do in, in on those calls auburn has not had a receiver on the outside this year consistently win those one-on-ones right. on the outside going deep you've hit a few but not very many the best guy at going up and getting it this year in those one-on-one situations is a tight end in Rivaldo Fairweather, and he's not. But the thing is, I, I was talking with some, I was talking with some folks about this. I want to get your thoughts on this too. Sure, he hasn't been matched up against defensive backs that not much either. It's been him going up against linebackers or safety at we, times. He is, uh, I believe, I believe it's he's he's had less than twenty percent of his snaps have actually been out wide this yeah, year. So that's where you know where the thought is, well, put him at receiver and watch him go. It's like, well, it's it's a little different. It's a little different. Rivaldo is a lot of things. He's a he's a really good contested uh catch receiver. He's he's done really well for Auburn this year. I think he has been a really good weapon for him. But Rivaldo is not the fastest dude in the world. Mm-hmm. And when you put him out on the outside and tell him, hey, beat cornerbacks you can go up and get it, but you might not be able to go past them. Like that's one of those things you have to kind of, kind of, you know, work is, out. Yeah, is it worth the risk of just, uh, you know, they may have a better angle of the ball, but you hope that he's just yeah. better at getting it. In terms of efficiency, uh, it's been a rough first half of the season, obviously for Shane Hooks, um, Jair Shorter, Coy Moore, Omari Kelly, uh, Malcolm Johnson Jr. All those guys are at kind of points where you've said they they've had maybe some flashes, or but their playing time's just been really sporadic. Their opportunities have been sporadic. Guys aren't getting open. They're not getting thrown to very often. So it's kind of hard to judge kind of what they've done. The only outside receiver where you can say right now you can see kind of forward progress from him over the last few weeks is Camden Brown. Mm-hmm. He does have those two catches against LSU. He did play more more against LSU than he did in the previous games. Uh, had a catch against Georgia as well. Getting open a little bit more frequently. He might be the guy that if Auburn needs to open some stuff up on the outside, that's where they go. But 
I believe the number is it's like 31% of Auburn's receiving yards this year have come from outside receivers. And to, to, to show you how big of a difference that is from what it looks like when things are good, you go back to the 2020 season, uh, Seth Williams, you know, and, and you had Anthony Schwartz and some other guys, at, at, you know, play outside receiver. 60% of Auburn's receiving yards came from outside receivers. Yeah, it's those not years. unbelievable at all. Yeah. To get down to 30%, though, mm-hmm. and the vast majority of your receiving is coming from tight ends and slot receivers and running backs, like, that's good to have multiple options like that. And Auburn fans had been screaming for years that, hey, we need to throw the tight ends more. Hey, we need to throw down the middle of the defense more. Absolutely true, true, true. But it narrows the scope of your offense and the focus of your offense you feel like you can't even hit the outside. Especially an offense like Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery's that wants to stretch the field horizontally as much as they do vertically. And it's just Auburn is not making enough plays on the outside. And until they do that, it's going to be tough for me to see a whole lot of improvement from this from this passing game because it just makes them a lot easier to defend against. I do I do wonder if some of the things that worked we were talking about this with Jason yesterday. We've seen Auburn play one Power 5 opponent at home. This year it was Georgia, and that game stayed close into the fourth quarter. I wonder if some of the things that worked against Georgia might might also work against Ole Miss, or some of the things that didn't work against Georgia offensively might find a little bit more success against Ole Miss. I mean, that's what Auburn's hoping for, right? That and the slant from uh, what, you, what you've seen on the road. You know, now in three, three Power 5 games on the road, Cal, A&M, and... LSU versus I guess just the Georgia game as as the you know you're hoping that that you're going to see better results at home but I don't know I don't know what strategically like where the answer is as far as what they could change or uh where where the where the obvious you know uh you know where the obvious adjustments come from yeah, I don't have an answer. <laughs> we we'll talk about that more. I've got I've got something else I wanted to bring up that uh a uh, younger son posed to me today, and I hadn't really thought that much about it. But uh, well, is there is there a player you think we see more? Is there, is there somebody uh, in mind? Well, I think you see more Camden. I think you see more Caleb Burton. Hopefully, Var is healthy. We've and talked you see, about you know we've you, talked you about see him. Justin, is there anybody else? I mean that. I mean, I hope you see more Jeremiah Cobb. Oh, at at, at wide receiver. Well, well just, I'm just saying in general, getting the ball. Yeah, uh, if you could figure out if Var is healthy. Um, but if you could figure out between VAR and Caleb Burton who could kind of play on the outside some for you, maybe not every snap, but play on the outside, I think that's the solution. I look back to and, – and when I was doing that story earlier this week, I looked at the numbers there. I go back to Ryan Davis and Eli Stove and Schwartz to a degree as well. Those were guys that kind of split their time outside and inside for mm-hmm. Auburn. Doesn't seem like they've had that. It's either a slot guy or an outside guy. Right, so and, yeah. and I know – like Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson and Caleb Burton aren't the biggest dudes in the world, but if you can kind of scheme up ways to try to use them on the outside more, Auburn's got to figure that out. I think if not, you can throw Rivaldo Fairweather out there a little bit more and 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 Cameron Brown out there a little bit more and, and see what you got. Don't give up on the other dudes. It's just it's the efficiency is just really really low and it's limited in that that passing mm-hmm. attack. I mean, yeah, everybody can watch Auburn's passing game the last few weeks and say Peyton Thorne needs to be better you know and and Auburn can do a lot stu- uh, stuff around him better as well but I, I think the big thing is is when you feel like you don't really have much of a success rate outside the numbers 
it's hard to be a modern passing attack and have any sort of success. And that defense can put dudes on an island out there, even if they're not great corners. If you can feel like you can just put your corners out there on an island and say, hey, lock them down um you may get the balls thrown to you this way but we don't really we're not really scared of the, we're not scared as much of them going you know beating you on the outside as they are beating us down the middle that's that's like that's that hurts defenses right now can force auburn into doing things that are low percentage for auburn and just it condenses everything for auburn like you want to use tight ends you want to use multiple running backs and all of that and that's great but like then you start shrinking like how like how far out you can attack and and this offense is built to stretch the field as much as you can and just they haven't been able to do it let's get to our bottom of the hour break love for you to join in again 334-321-1390 that is the drive hotline presented by sky bar cafe come on in and join us with bill cameron and dan peck on espn 1067 online at espnau.com to be a part of the drive call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at espnau.com welcome back into the drive here on this thursday afternoon 23 minutes away from five o'clock love for you to join in anything uh, on your mind i mean there is so much Auburn adding a commitment from uh, one of the uh, top prospects of 2025. Uh, a change in the on-field coaching staff with uh, Coach uh, Wesley McGriff. Crime Dog is uh, stepping away. He's, he's uh, not handling on-field duties, but he is part of the team. And uh, so, so we will see, you know, I, I, I don't expect you'll notice anything differently this week with the secondary, Zach Etheridge has coached both corners and safeties. All right, I mentioned as we were going to the to the bottom of the hour, um, uh, my son Matt uh, called the day we were talking, and while he, while we were talking, he said he had a question. He was wondering if he was missing something when we and seems like just about everybody, Justin, has talked about um, tempo. And Hugh Freeze addressed yep. it the other day, yep. saying, you know, he wouldn't be here if it weren't for tempo and RPO, and that that he'd love to get to that. And then he has said at the said at the very end, last question, if he has the players, yes, he'll go to it. All right. So so Matt was wondering, uh, first, I guess the the purpose of tempo. One mm-hmm. of the purposes of tempo is to prevent the other team from substituting from substituting. Sure. He said, well. What's to prevent you from lining up as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and then letting the play clock run down? That would prevent teams from substituting, yep. and it would also extend the time that you have the ball. Yeah, it's something you can do. It's uh, there's a there's a word for that that the Patriots used to do it, and yeah. I and I can't remember what the, the. I mean, it's a certain type of tempo they called it, and it's kind of like hurry up and wait. It um, is. That's basically what it is. But it prevents the team from sub because if they go to sub and you're lined up, you snap the ball. And it's a penalty. Sure. And and for and if you're Auburn's offense in this situation, you would be able to sub less, and you wouldn't be able to sub. You know, obviously right. in that. I guess the thing there is just like, I think if Auburn was a lot more confident in, in what they were running, <laughs> and and like and like you know, if they felt like, hey, we could run if with the this, same eleven, if can, we we can, can run st- different plays. I don't know if they yeah. feel like. I think I think they need. I think they feel like this year they've had to mix and match a ton and, and use different running backs as well. It's not just the wide receivers, but yeah, that's a that's a 
it's a ploy that you could definitely use for sure. Um, nobody really leans into that that no. hard, but yeah, it, it, it's very. It's uh, the only times I've ever seen anybody do that. It's been very strategic, right? Um, and obviously, this would be a, a, an opportunity to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just one of those things where teams don't do that as much because I think they feel like they would benefit from substituting more than I've. We heard want to prevent the other team. One from of the it. arguments I've heard against you know sort of the the no huddle stall uh, tactic is that it it takes the quarterback out of something of a rhythm to be sitting at the line for what kind of rhythm is Auburn have know, Auburn's I, quarterbacks I, I, been I in know, this year that would be that would not be something <laughs> that Auburn is terribly worried about at the moment but but if you're trying to get a quarterback into a rhythm having them hurry to the line of scrimmage and then count down 20 25 seconds and then snap the ball I've, I've heard that would be because because that's been been suggested before at the same time while I'm not necessarily uh, endorsing that specific strategy, Ball control needs to be something Auburn thinks about this weekend. I guess. If, if, I guess. Ole, Miss, if Ole Miss is enjoying success offensively, yeah, yeah, it might be something you... What, what, what I've wondered, I mean, if, if you're going three and out, it doesn't matter if it's taking a minute and a half or two and a half, they're liable to score in That's 30 true. seconds yeah. anyway. So, I mean... So, I it's, not, it's not... You're right. It's not... I mean, between... Like, it still comes down to, you know, winning first down, winning third, avoiding... Avoiding sustaining drives, third downs, yeah. that's what it's about, and that's something Auburn just has been unable to do consistently. Justin, I, I was thinking, uh, you know, among among the things at practice that, that I wanted to, to run by uh, Bill when I got back and uh, get your thoughts on it too. Like, I don't, I don't want. I don't want to portray Robbie as like it. It doesn't seem like a a split. It does sound like it's competition at right tackle. Uh, oh with, yeah, it with, does. Too, with too tall and musky. Like I don't know who starts uh, at right tackle on uh, on Saturday night. I would think that it's it's Thorn, but I don't know how many drives Auburn will watch Thorn struggle before attempting something different. Like is that is that the sense you get too? Is that it's it's Thorn with a it's Thorn with a short leash on Saturday night if the offense struggles. Yeah, I mean, I, I to my point, I, I, to this point I just don't I don't see anything that shows me that Auburn is has faith in Robbie Astrid running this full offense. Yeah, I mean it's it's right, hard right, it's hard right, to have seen anything this year no and matter, think that that we had a could be the case. Yeah, no matter no matter what side of that issue you're on as a fan, right, wrong or indifferent, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. Yeah, it appears right. that the coaches they like the package. Do not believe that that he and can he, run the and whole he thing. Is, and he is running pretty much just the package. And, oh, yeah. It's, and, it's a it, handful it, of plays. It's a handful of plays. It's a couple of different formations. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll run. There's some There's some two-back stuff. There's some multi-tight end stuff. There's you know different things for sure, but it's not the full scope of the offense. Now, could you install more of that and work on more of that during a week before before a game? Sure. Do we know if they've done that? No, but we won't know, and I think there's no advantage of letting anybody know that you do that until oh sure until, until you until, do it until the game. But yeah, <laughs> but to, at this point in the season, I every Auburn fan that has said why is Robbie Ashford not why why are they just not giving it to Robbie? I to this point, I have not seen proof that they are ready for him to run the full scope of the offense. Yeah, I mean, and w- for whatever reason, I don't had, I, I I don't know. We had a caller earlier this week make reference to. Freeze's loyalty to Thorne and I, I wouldn't think of it as loyalty to Thorne it's it seems like it's more lack of faith than anyone else on the roster to play quarterback effectively for an extended period of time based on how they've been used through the first six games that's not that's not that doesn't mean that uh the that 
the coaching staff believes it would be hopeless with Robbie Ashford in, in the game or with Holden Gurner in the game. But to this point, it seems like, yeah, they, they, they believe Thorne gives the team the best chance to win for a variety of reasons. And, yeah, maybe you get a glimpse of that when Ashford comes in and it, it's a, a handful of plays. Even, I thought, coming off a bye week in a, in a game where you knew you were going to need all hands on deck offensively to see that sort of as the – and I think especially to see Robbie pulled off the field on third and long. Right, like that was the one where it's like, man, that 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 felt like a message that you know is is not, and not not that they're sending a message to Robbie, but it, fe- it felt like a glimpse into the uh, in, into the way they view the quarterbacks this year. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. A reminder. Let's see. Coming up at five, we'll have David Pascal from uh, the Chattanooga Times Free Press and yeah. ESPN Chattanooga. David uh, texted me earlier. He's got a youngster that is uh, playing. Um, I forgot the of which which sport, but he's going to get on with us as soon as he can at the top of the hour, so that he can try to get out around a quarter after. So we'll we'll go rapid fire with with David uh, at the start of hour number two. Right now, let's go ahead and get to our final break of hour number one. We'd love for you to join us again. The uh, drive hotline presented by Skybar Cafe three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Come on in. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 11 minutes away from 5 o'clock here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. We've got playoff baseball going on right now. As I speak, the first run of the game, no, I thought the ball was hit a little better. Uh, it's scoreless in the uh, bottom of the third with the uh, first game of the series back in Arizona. The Phils looking to go up three zip while the Diamondbacks looking to, uh, you know, get their first win here in the championship series yeah it would be an unlikely pitchers duel with uh, Brandon Fott the rookie for the Diamondbacks on the mound and Ranger Suarez who has been an effective postseason pitcher for yes, a few, he has. you know up, up and down regular season but he has been an effective guy in the postseason last year and so far this year uh, but 0-0 zero, zero, uh, in the bottom of the third uh, we've got a uh, who, who, who's that they're talking to is that a I don't know I usually recognize people. I thought they just grabbed a Philly fan. No, I'm I'm sure it's not. It's got to be like uh, a coach or something. But I it's don't, not their pitching. I do coach. not they're recognize pitching, their pitching coach is super young. Yeah, I, I do not recognize a uh, fellow maybe, with a beard wearing a Philly shirt and cap. I it was somebody that, in the dugout. I wonder who that was. I'll yeah, see if I wasn't it. wasn't Rob Thompson. It wasn't. I I do not. Well, he's back in the dugout. Whoever it is, they're pi- they're pitching. The it might have been hitting Coach Kevin, Kevin Long. Is that, is that who it was? Maybe yeah. it is. Yeah, Maybe it is. Long. Their pitching coach is super young. I, I noticed that during the Braves series. Pulled up a pulled up a, uh, a couple of pictures here. That that does look like Kevin Long. Oh, okay. The uh, hitting coach. Did they say put it up an infographic? Yeah, up a, okay. So yeah, that, that's who it was. Who was the hitting coach they were talking to? Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how long this one goes. We're gonna go to. We're gonna throw it to coverage. I think we've got some baseball uh, tonight. I yeah. Should... Game four of the ALCS. Uh, the Astros. So thus far, we haven't had a home win. In the ALCS, as the Rangers won two in Houston, and now the Astros looking to even up the series and gain back that home field advantage, whatever that means. 
Very big series tonight, uh, very big game in the series tonight, game four, uh, Texas and Houston, and you can hear that right here on ESPN 106.7. All right, uh, while we've got a few minutes, Justin, um, the SEC Men's Media Day yesterday up in Birmingham. I mean, yep. any uh, uh, anything enlightening that you got from, from Bruce, Janai, or Jalen? Yeah, I, I asked Bruce about uh, – Auburn opened in the season with Baylor. It's the first time since 1989 that Auburn has opened a basketball season with a power conference opponent. Uh, in 89, they played Michigan State as part of the Great Alaska Shootout. Uh, lost that game. Um, but I asked Bruce, like, hey, like, this is not normal. Uh, usually you you play a uh, you play a paycheck game early in the year and then you move on to something bigger a little bit later. Um, why open the season with that? And uh, he said straight up, he's like, hey, we got to stay relevant. Um, it's a game you can put on ESPN against a team that's won the national title a few years ago. Uh, it's going to be one of the best games. How about this? Oh, season opening uh, games in, in SEC basketball this year, only three teams are playing power conference teams their first game out. Yeah. Uh, yeah Oregon's well, playing Georgia. It's, it's Oregon's, not the norm. Oregon's playing Georgia. Mississippi State's playing Arizona State. And Auburn is playing Baylor. And it's just Bruce saying – and he said it was twofold, basically. Number one, I want I want Auburn basketball to stay relevant. I want eyeballs on the product, you know, and 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 you know, competing for attention in a conference that continues to get better and better. Number two, he said, I want to send a message that uh, that we're not scared. And I think he said I wouldn't schedule this game if I didn't think our guys were going to be ready. I'm not saying they're going to win, but like you know, they're not afraid to go out there and 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 see what they're up against. Ask Jalen Williams and Janai Broom about that game. Jalen said. It's going to be a great test to see like where we are. Uh, you first game. I mean, there's no better. I there. I I don't know if there's any better test you can get than playing a team like like one you know coached by, mm-hmm. by by Scott Drew. Like you you know what you're going to get. Yeah, you know what? I, I would imagine Scott Drew feels the same way. Yeah. About opening and that the Baylor and that Baylor team returns a couple of guys, like two or three of their 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 players, but it, it's mostly a new roster there, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And so, yeah, Bruce talked about that. Um, you know, we got some we got some classic Janai Broom uh, talking about how you know he feels like Auburn's kind of getting underrated. Picked to finish sixth in the league this year, um, they're really confident about this team. And then uh, I think the biggest comment that people kind of latched onto yesterday is that you know Bruce had said earlier in the said last week he had told us that he wanted to have a starting five picked out by this week, and he said I, he hadn't done that yet. Mm-hmm. He said he had nine of his ten guys he's going to play in the rotation this year. He says nine of them think they're going to start. Like, and, and that's a good sign well, for the comp- – I wonder who the tenth one is. So that's a great Dylan? question. I think it's Dylan. I would I would assume it's Dylan. Just not not to say that Dylan Carwell doesn't think he's improved. And, and, and but he knows – It's, it's a first-team all-SEC yeah, first yeah. all center that he's going up against right now. I'd love to get more into the talk about, like, relevance and because I, th- I think it's a really interesting thing to hear a coach talk about. Yeah, you know, we, we need to play high-profile, out-of-conference games to – lure the kind of players that we need or for, for, for the different reasons get eyeballs on the product um that that includes the game that will be on espn against baylor at the sanford pentagon in sioux falls south dakota i, I wonder if this is correct i'm seeing the seating capacity of the sanford pentagon at just under 3300 people Wow, uh, that's which, probably which, been a hard sellout. Justin, then, I is that? Guess. I mean, I wonder if that's if, if that might be a mistake or if something they can change for because it, it would it would seem to be odd for Auburn and Baylor to be playing at a venue with a thirty three hundred seat capacity, but at the same time, you don't see a ton of 
high-profile basketball games played in the Dakotas. So yeah, uh, the this uh, this game in Sioux Falls is uh, like they try to bring a good basketball game there each year. Uh, early in the season, I can't remember who played there last year, but it's. I think Baylor played there two years ago. I know it's the home of a, a G League. I think it's the Timberwolves uh, G League affiliate the plays Sioux in uh, Falls. What are they called? The Sky, Sky Force. The Sky yeah. Force. Yeah, yeah and, they've and, been around for a while. But yeah, it's it's just uh, yeah, it's interesting to, to you know the thought that's that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting visual on television for people not going. Uh, but it's also, I mean, yeah, just the thought that it's it's just just under thirty three hundred. Um, still, by the way, and, and if you check the secondary market, still some reasonable price sure, tickets and, you can find. And, and I think it, you know, go back to like a lot of those Thanksgiving week tournaments. You know, you're not going to get high high attendance in those, and there's some small venues playing mm-hmm. there, especially like hotel ballrooms, like Auburn's had to play in a few in a few times. I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it for sure. All right, we're halfway done here on the Thursday Drive. David Pascal joins us when we come back to start hour number two. Part of the drive. Call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Hope everybody doing well on this overcast Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, and we've got Drew at the controls, and we're gonna jump right to the Drive Hotline presented by the Sky Bar Cafe. Welcome in our regular 5 o'clock guest here on Thursdays, and that is David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. I hope everybody there is doing wonderful as well. Yeah, it, it has been uh, a busier week than even we thought. I mean, uh, obviously just uh, um, rehashing and trying to put – Put that, uh, uh, I don't know if I'd even say performance, put put last Saturday behind mm. Auburn and get ready for another high-powered offense coming in and the Ole Miss Rebels while uh, basketball media days come underway. Uh, we find out, you know, in the last 24 hours that, that there is a change in the on-field coaching staff for Auburn with Crime Dog McGriff uh, moving off the field uh, at least temporarily. So, I mean – uh, and 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 we've we've had commits and decommits. It's it's been a busy week for us. <laughs> Sounds it. And of course, uh, my favorite stat of the week is Auburn trying to avoid back-to-back losses to Ole Miss for the first time since the Harry S. Truman presidency. Yes, seventy-one years since Ole Miss beat Auburn back-to-back years. And uh, certainly their best shot, I would think. And because uh, I'm like you, I. I you, you know, there is something about Auburn and the home field advantage. I mean, they proved that against Georgia. Uh, but this, for a second straight week, you've just got this team. You're like, how does Auburn keep up points-wise? Yeah, we were talking about the, the LSU rivalry a lot leading up to that game, David. And it is interesting. Auburn and Ole Miss have also played every year since the creation of division play. There have been some memorable ones, but I think because this game – hasn't uh, always played a huge role in deciding uh, who goes to Atlanta or who's in the college football playoff. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, th- there w- there was a lot of reminiscing about the Auburn LSU series last week. There hasn't been as much of that uh, this this week, and uh, and and part of that is because, uh, like you said, I mean, it, it's been for much of its history a, a one sided rivalry favoring Auburn. I will say this, one Ole Miss game that I 
that I did witness winning over Auburn, maybe is, you know, I've been doing this for more than 30 years. The, the 99 game in Auburn with Tuberville, first year at Auburn after coming from Ole Miss, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a game that had like that much vitriol in the stands. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was covering that game, but I remember getting down there in the fourth quarter and looking up at the Ole Miss section and seeing some of those signs. And those signs went straight past PG-13 and the R and then some. I was just like, wow, the vitriol for this game is something else. Doing a, yeah, doing a pregame show before that game was, uh, uh, it tested our equipment to see if we had, you know, a delay, which we did not. <laughs> so we, we had to be really, really careful there doing, be, being live with uh, some of the Rebel fans that came by. Yeah, they, they, were, they were not too happy about that. They were not, and then and then four years later was actually another Ole Miss win. The the Obamanu drop. Yeah. I mean, he was such a great receiver, and I mean that was a fantastic football game that Auburn came up on the short end. But um, yeah, it's it's you know for whatever reason when Auburn's lost, they've been able to bounce right back. And and goodness, my freshman year at Auburn, uh, Auburn had just lost to Tennessee up in Knoxville. And they came back and played Ole Miss. This was like a TBS night game. And Auburn won that thing like 41 to nothing. And it doesn't even begin to that was, show the dominance. Yeah. I, I think the total yards was like oh. 6.06 to 9 I, I, or something. It I, yes, it was. Okay, so so real quick, I, I, I've been doing this series on the 2013 season. And I looked it up. I think the 2013 Auburn-Texas A&M game is the most snaps ever in a game that Auburn played. Both teams had 85. It was like 85 and 87. Um, and then I was just looking, okay, when does it ever happen when Auburn's had that many snaps? I think Auburn had 105 snaps in that game against against. It Ole was Miss. the it most unreal. dominant game I've ever seen Auburn play. You're right, David. It was every stride. I think first downs was like 38 or 39 to 2. I mean, it was yeah. just incredible. Uh, hey, and also the interesting thing with that that I looked it up, um, uh, and this is a fun connection to this year. Uh, Ole Miss had to play their backup quarterback in that game. You know who the starting quarterback for Ole Miss was in '85. Yeah, and he was sitting that. out. Is, is it would have been, would would been, been, after, Auburn? been is, it, is it current Auburn analyst? Is it Ken Austin? It's Ken Austin. Is it Ken Austin. Ken okay. Austin could Ken, play. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. so. yeah, I knew it was post four K. So uh, there's so many tie-ins with Auburn, Ole Miss, and and this year, and then it's just I I, I was so stunned to see that a game in the '80s had 105 plays. Like that is just absurd was, to think about. I yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't Auburn wasn't going up tempo no, either. They just could. <laughs> they just could. Like they were just. Doing whatever they wanted. I was ten rows back of the Obamanu catch in the 2003 game, and that I mean I know and and people remember and Ben Ben had a great game leading up to that catch. Two people forget he had 200 so nearly 200 yards I think. Yeah, and, and then and then he handled it better than I can yeah. ever imagine oh. in the post game. Yes, and, and, he did. And yes, ben, he did. And he's still achieving great things. Ben Obamanu just named just recognized by the university earlier this year as one of the uh, the 20 under 40. A list I was left off of. Uh, David Pascal, un- unbelievably. Uh, but the uh, the the thing I'll remember about that you better hurry game, and get you on there. That, then. Yeah, hey, well, I still got I still got time officially. Uh, the 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 O3 game that team, and we were just talking about Philip Rivers off the air. They'd be an example of it too. A couple of games where you, you just you watched a team thinking, man, if they're they're a ten win team because of the quarterback, and if you take that quarterback away, it's it, they they've got so like they got nothing else. It's an NFL quarterback and. 
a, a you know a, a seemingly thoroughly average team around him. And with Eli Manning in two thousand three, like that is that is that is that an unfair way to describe that 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 Ole Miss team, David? Because that I mean, it well, sure seemed like Eli was doing so much of the work in in that incredible run they had. Well, if you think about it, they were ten and three that year, and the next year they went four and seven, and Cutcliffe was gone. And at that time, I mean, twenty years ago, you were still seeing coaches that would get a couple of years. You know, if if they took a team to a high and and then fell down, they'd still get like another chance to build it back up. Well, Cutcliffe didn't. And to your point, I think one of the huge reasons that got him and Cutcliffe is such a nice guy, but I think his recruiting had kind of bitten him on the you know what because really the only player of significance that he handed over to, uh, I guess it would have been a Orgeron at that time, would have been uh, Patrick Willis. I mean, that was a really depleted Mm -hmm. roster uh, after Eli left. So, yeah, I think you're right on that. All right, uh, we, we, we've just got a, a limited amount of time with David here this afternoon, so let's let's uh, jump right in and get his thoughts on some of the games. Uh, n- not a huge weekend as far as SEC is concerned because uh, nearly half the league, I guess a third of the league or more, five teams or so, have uh, uh, their open date coming up this week. Um, quickly, let's see, Missouri bouncing. Let's see, Missouri's still hanging in there. They've got a South Carolina team that I keep thinking, I've thought three or four times this year, yeah, they're going to win that ball game, and they find a way to lose a couple of times. Uh, Missouri in, in really good shape. If they can beat South Carolina, they've got an open date before they travel down to Athens in two weeks. And you think about with, with what Missouri's been able to do through the air, I mean, you know, Brady Cook, I know the streak came to an end with, uh, you know, the consecutive passes without an interception, but Luther Burden's had a great year. Their passing game has done some really nice things. South Carolina all of a sudden can't defend anything. I mean, Graham Mertz threw for 423 yards last Saturday. So South Carolina now ranks dead last in pass defense. They've got to go up there. Missouri's kind of had their number anyway in recent years. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Missouri wins this game like 41-27 kind of thing. Yeah, and then the the other one where you talk about Teams needing wins. I mean, we'll get to Auburn here in a little bit because they really do. But but Arkansas has lost, you know, game after game after game by one score or less, and and they and they've got uh, a Mississippi State team now that boy, what are they going to do without Will Rogers? Correct. I just think that uh, I just think that. Um... You know, Arkansas, they do play a lot of teams close. They're back home. You know, this is like the longest stretch in the FBS uh, without getting to play, you know, between home games. This is like five weeks since they played at home. Hmm. I think that will be big. I'm like, you. Yeah, I just I, I think Mississippi State, you know, I, I guess credit to everybody in the media because they were picked uh, to finish last. And, you know, they just have not, ever since LSU went there and just kind of clobbered them, You've just kind of had a lot of reservations for them. So an Arkansas team that that has been much more respectable when they lose, I think I think Arkansas at home will be too much. I don't know by how much, maybe like a touchdown, but yeah, yeah you got to like Arkansas. If right. if Will Rogers can't go, it'll be the Vanderbilt transfer, Mike, Mike Wright. Wright. He was the he was Vanderbilt's yeah. he was Vanderbilt's representative at media days uh, last year, twenty twenty two. Now he's the backup quarterback at Mississippi State. Could be a starter. Very different player st- stylistically. Than, uh, than than Will Rogers uses his legs and uh, and, and would present more of a run threat. Uh, I think it'd be uh yeah it'd be, be tough to defend if they, if they go with, uh, with 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 my I don't know that that's that's 
Arkansas State could be could be a compelling football. I just game. think if Arkansas doesn't win this one at home, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know yeah. when they're when they're no, going to be. Tough. What, what about yeah. what about Tennessee? And Wright was oh. the quarterback last last year that beat both Florida and Kentucky. That yep. that was Wright who led Vanderbilt mm-hmm. to those wins. Yeah, he's he's won some he's won some games in the league. What what are you thinking on uh, what are you thinking on on Tennessee's trip to Tuscaloosa? You know, it's so funny that the one thing I can guarantee is I think you know last year that game was fifty two to forty nine. I guarantee that there won't be half that many points. I just think the way these defenses are playing and just the uncertainty with the quarterbacks, I think Tennessee's ability, you know, they're averaging four sacks a game on defense. That ranks like fourth nationally. Alabama's allowed 31 sacks. I think only three schools are worse than that. Uh, so I really like that matchup for Tennessee. But I also think uh, – Milton's a little bit shaky. You saw how he looked at Florida. Tennessee now, all of a sudden on the road, you know, they had that great win at LSU midway through last year, but down the stretch on the road, they got clobbered by Georgia, clobbered by South Carolina, uh, thumped pretty good at Florida. So all of a sudden this team on the road now has some questions. So, um, you know, I I think it's going to be real low scoring. Uh, I think it, it's so interesting that you had Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker and just the the aerial show they put on last year in Knoxville. I think this year the, the key could be which quarterback's legs are better. I mean, how many games do you go into where both quarterbacks have runs in their careers of 75-plus yards? But these two both do. I went 24-17 Bama. I just think it's going to be another one of those kind of old-school games, kind of like Tennessee had last week with Texas A&M. Yeah, I think it's a throwback game where, um, yeah, where you're not going to see all the yards through the air. Uh, a big player, too, could do it, but Alabama at home, and they, uh, they want a little payback from last year as well. And then, and then the other game, I mean, you talk about a team that has been night and day, home and away. That has been the Auburn Tigers. Uh, they're, they're hoping that there's some magic at Jordan-Hare Stadium because this Ole Miss team coming in, Auburn will now have faced, you know, the top three offensive teams in the SEC over the last three weeks. And this is one that uh, goes faster than either of the last two. They definitely go faster than, than Georgia and LSU. And if Lane gets a chance – uh, he's going to pour it on. Yeah, I, you know, and I think this is a deal where, who knows, maybe Auburn and, and Freeze and that staff can use last week and just to, at least they, they're they getting used to these teams that play fast after last week. I'm with you. I mean, it, it's so weird to kind of just say this. I think I picked Ole Miss like 35-26, but if Auburn wins, would I be the most shocked person on this planet? No, because weird things can happen. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I had no clue. I mean, I, I sat here talking about how, you know, Georgia-Auburn had 33-10 to 10 written all over it, and that thing was 20-20 with just a couple of minutes left or whatever. So, I mean, it, you, know, it's, it, it's, you know, it's at night, it's at Auburn, it's going to be loud. Uh, you know, I was actually at that game two years ago where that's probably the best performance Auburn had under Harson. I don't know. Um, but I, I, just, I just think Ole Miss is too good, and I think it just becomes, at the end, can you keep up in scoring? Mm-hmm. I mean, Auburn's going to have to have the decided – turnover advantage like it did against Georgia to stay close in this thing. No, I, I agree with you, David. I mean, I know you've got to run. Um, let everybody know how they can keep up with everything you're doing. Timesfreepress.com and ESPNChattanooga.com. All right, David, enjoy. What what uh, what kind of competition are you headed out to watch? I am getting ready to uh, open up the door and go watch an eighth-grade soccer. The, the middle school here in Chattanooga is so messed up. Our, my, our youngest is 13, and before Christmas, he's going to have 
football season, soccer season, and wrestling season, all done before Christmas. <laughs> wow, keep it. That keeps you guys busy, I know. It's a good problem to have, but it's a little messed up for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, enjoy, David. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again next week. That sounds great. You guys have a great weekend. David Pascal joining us uh, from Chattanooga. Yeah, I did, couldn't remember what kind because, yeah, he's got kids playing all kinds of things at all the time. All right, he mentioned that Auburn win in October of 2021. Um, I, I, I was looking at this, and I saw – Philip Marshall wrote this as well. You realize Auburn is 2-13 and 13 in the SEC since then. Since that yep. went over Ole Miss, 2-13, and 13, and one of those is that Missouri it's game Missouri. that Auburn had no, yep. no right of winning. And the other one's A&M. Where, where A &M, the other one's the A&M game that's last right. year with Cadillac in the house where, where A&M played. That's, that's scary as, to think about. As poorly offensively as, as I, any team. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what that's kind of what I was saying heading into the season. It's like, this is a – this is a build. I mean, you are. It's not rock bottom, but it it's pretty close for for Auburn football. It's yes. as it's as bad as it's been for a sustained period of time. And what's crazy to since think, like forty nine fifty Auburn. I, I believe if the moment conference. the moment Auburn wins that game in twenty one, I think they're in a situation where if they win out, they win the West. Yeah. Because they would have yeah. one conference loss at that point to Georgia, and you still had the Iron Bowl in front of you. Like, mm -hmm. if you if you won, I think that, I mean, it's crazy as it's thing. Like, Auburn was in a position. On, what, what was Auburn, like 12 or 13 after they won that game? After they beat, what, what was Auburn the week they played? Weren't they, weren't they in the top 15? When they, after they beat Ole Miss, they were 6-2, and two, right? Yeah, they were. After, yeah. Yeah, after Auburn, Auburn went to 6-2. and two. The next game was at A&M. They lose that game. The Golly. next game after that, Seems like Mississippi State. the next game after that is the home game against Mississippi State, where they have the big Bogan's lead hurt. early and both can't hurt. stop. Yeah, and just yeah, and I mean, and it's been downhill from there largely mm -hmm. as a as, as a especially in conference play. So really has. We'll get to our first break of hour number two. Love for you to join in, Ed. Hang on, you're up first. When we come back here on the Thursday Drive, bending stretch drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 22 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Thursday afternoon. And let's get to the uh, Drive Hotline presented by Skybar Cafe. And Ed gets us started. Hey, Ed. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, hey, uh, I was just going to uh, tell you, it looks like a great weekend for recruits. And, I, you know, I really hope, you know, uh, uh, that y'all remember, uh, what, what was it? Hannibal Lecter and Jody Foster. Silence of the, 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 the Silence of the Lambs, of course, mm -hmm. Ed. Look, <laughs> if you want to know a man's heart, uh, look at what he covets, and, and what he free covets right now. And I think we know this: it, it's recruits. He knows we have to have them, and so he knows that this weekend he has to show them a little something to kind of be hopeful for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey Ed, I, I think that's a great point, and I'll go back to the Georgia game. Auburn looked really lifeless against Texas A&M, and for the first time really in a long time they got a four-quarter competitive crowd in it all the way to the end game against Georgia they came up short 
But all those recruits were still sit, sitting there in the end zone when that when when that game was went final, and I think Auburn definitely needs to have that happen to him again this week. Win or lose, you need to have at least a, a really competitive game and put on a show like you like you said. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the fruits of George game were you know uh, eager, and I, I think it's my opinion it's going to be a, a good game, and I, I think Auburn's going to show up and. I, you know, before the season started, I, you know, I called in and I said I thought the four most important games for Auburn, excuse me, this year were uh, Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Cal. That that was the four I thought could kind of make or break us. That that was just my thinking, but I, I think they got a chance. But but I want I want to ask you about. Something, if I could, about a, a host earlier in the day who who proclaimed that if George goes undefeated, they don't deserve to be in the uh, college football playoff. What do y'all think about that? Uh, it, it's hard to imagine that they wouldn't make it. Now, what? Now that 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 sort of <laughs> semantics, if you say. They don't deserve it. That doesn't mean they wouldn't be invited. Deserves, if, yeah, the deserves yeah, the, if, the operative word there. If Georgia, yeah, no, if Georgia no, continues he, he said to, they wouldn't be invited. Well, that that's they, hard to believe. Oh, oh, I would say I think there's virtually no chance that right. a, that a thirteen and zero. They may not SEC deserve it, but they'd Georgia. be invited. Now, now what? Now what we could have in the final year of the fourteen playoff Ed, which would be terrible for one fan base and one coaching staff. And I would, I don't want this to happen. Because of because, but but if we have five undefeated power conference champions, you might need to leave. You might need to leave a thirteen and O team that won their league out of the college football playoff this year, which seems unthinkable. That's that's what I'm asking y'all. Uh, that, that that is my question. So and his his uh, thing was just because. Georgia has, and all he's worried about is Georgia's getting Bama recruits. That's all his. <laughs> They're getting we plenty. I mean, that. Nick Nick is still getting a the few. team. The team Georgia would need to beat in the SEC championship game would be enough of a needle moving win that I think it would be difficult to like. It'd, it'd be tough for a Big Twelve. Well, you get Texas, Oklahoma, but, but it you know it'd be. But, yeah, go ahead. What what I was going to ask y'all. Is he saying that all of a sudden this year that the SEC is not a worthy conference of having a top four? Yeah, see, the SEC is still one of the top, you know, top two or three. That's what he's saying that they're not. Do y'all agree with that? No, no, I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't want to speak for anybody else. I would certainly disagree with the notion that the SEC champion will be, you know, an undefeated SEC champion would be undeserving of of being left. And and, 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 and let me tell, let me just. Put this scenario up for you. If 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 every other team had one loss and uh, Alabama beat Georgia in the championship, and every other team had one loss of all, all the other teams, he would be the very one saying that now Alabama deserves defense because they beat the team that didn't deserve it. So you, you think the person with this opinion doesn't feel necessarily the SEC's down? It's just that because Alabama's not the best team in the SEC, you know, it's it's uh, the, the, the league should be treated differently. That's an interesting. Hey, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of parity now, and, uh, and you know, uh, Alabama's finally having 
compete with other teams that, that play players. But I mean, I, I'm I'm just I don't know. It's, I just get sick of the hypocrisy sometimes. I, and I, I I just can't understand anybody saying that if, if, if they're six five or six five teams undefeated, and I I don't think there's going to be five teams undefeated. But to say that one of those teams is in the SEC and they don't deserve to be in the that's just to me that is the stupidest thing I think I've ever heard. You know, Thanks, and, and, and yeah, I appreciate the phone call. And I, I would, um, I really hope it doesn't happen. You know, even to someone who roots for chaos in these things, because of because of how unfair it would be to whoever gets left yeah, out. Yeah, it would. It would um, really suck like, for, for a team. But yeah, but but it's uh, yeah. I think it's. In, I mean, the longer we go with undefeated teams, it's in the cards. And I don't know. I don't know what they do. I mean, they'd leave they'd leave somebody out, and it'd be it'd be a, a, a really tough scene, and you'd have a, a, a pretty upset conference. And we've we've gone through that before when there were only two teams in the playoff, and you had three undefeated teams. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see if we'll see if something like that happens in the in the era of the fourteen playoff. Appreciate the call, Ed. Uh, let's get to, to Specter before we get to our bottom of the hour break. Hey, Specter. Hey, Specter. Have I got enough time? You, yeah, yeah no, we got. We'll, yeah, th- this break isn't it. It's not supposed okay. to automatically oh, no, start. Spe- uh, there's the music, Specter. So no, we got no, 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 no. We got time. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, first of all, Ed, I heard that conversation that today between you and Max. You got to remember. He's a Bammer fan. He is a true Bammer. Oh, he he knows that. That's I think that's yeah. why he's calling back to sort of, <laughs> you know, to affirm yeah. that. But anyway, I, I missed most of your your show today, guys. I'm sorry about that. But uh, did y'all mention the recruit for 2025? Absolutely, we did. Uh, okay. Yes. The uh, okay. Tim, uh, Rid- Rid- yeah. Riddick. Uh, yes. Rid- yeah. Riddick. Tim yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll read up on him later. Then Listen, no, no, we can talk. I, yeah, we can talk about him. I mean, he's he's rated two four seven, rates him the number one athlete in the country. Uh, he, he's a guy that's you know he's a twenty five recruit, so he's he's probably still got a little growing to do. He's only about one sixty five right now, but uh, a, if you, if you look at any video of him, he is a he he is a physical player. Yeah, even though he's uh, you know only about six foot one sixty five right now. Play, plays bigger than his size. Uh, really athletic, obviously, and, and super quick. And the other thing, there, top fifty player overall in his class. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, no matter what position, and it looks like safety is going to kind of be the spot for him. But that is a really really uh, impressive. Uh, you know, uh, film, especially when you look at, yeah, like Bill said, like you've got some more growing to do, and and Auburn's going to need some some dynamic defensive backs to come in over the next couple of years. Um, Absolutely, yeah, because you know, you're, yeah, I, I, I think that's one of the worst play, uh, not worst positions that we've been recruiting in is safety. Yeah. Yeah, they they loaded up in this last class. So it's going to be a very young group. They need to they need to continue to stack those classes because they've had to rely on a bunch of you know, you know veterans for for a long long time. Who am I speaking with? That's, uh, that's Justin. Justin Ferguson. That's yes, Justin sir. Ferguson from the Auburn okay. Observer. Yes, yeah, sir. sorry, but I, I, I missed y'all's introduction earlier. Yeah. Listen, uh, one other thing. Uh, tell me something. I heard yesterday. I think it, Dan, you came back from the window yesterday and said something about they were running. Up tempo and RPOs, and how long have they been doing this in practice, and why aren't we seeing it in the game? No, I I don't know if that was me. That might have been someone else talking about the tempo from uh, from, from practice. I I I was more struck by how it it did seem like 
uh, Robbie was was a little more involved or mm-hmm. doing more, uh, yeah. you know, was taking more of the, of the first team that. reps, which is something where I, I don't know if that means there there's going to be a split or a quarterback change or if it just means they need to be prepared if the offense struggles with Thorne uh, in the first couple of drives and they want to have a plan if that happens, which means getting Robbie prepared. I don't know about how how they view both RPO. We, we've been talking about tempo and the pros and cons of trying to go fast when you have – uh, a, a a defense with some depth issues and uh, an offense that wants the ball on the other team. You know, there, there's there's you know things to to consider there. Um, but but no, I, I don't. Uh, I I honestly don't know how much they're going to uh, stick with or, or lean on the RPO uh, this uh, this Saturday against Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah, I heard something about that, and I was kind of wondering why are in the world are we practicing that and we're not doing it in a game. No, one of the things I may have said is, you know, the players had talked about heading into fall camp about how fast they were and how much tempo they worked. But uh, but you're right. Auburn hasn't done much of that at all, and it's been by design, even though it seems very uncomfortable to Hugh Freeze and to the players. Yes. You know, um, in the beginning, we all was concerned about how we were going to do this year. Most people were were sitting at the fact that, like I was, I was expecting six wins, eight at the best. But uh, what I did not expect is us not getting progressive after each game. You know. Well, until get, last week, though, did didn't you feel like Auburn was getting better? No, I didn't. Okay, because uh, I, I no, felt I like after the Georgia game, Auburn had really improved from the start of the season. I did. See, I did see we were getting better as long as Robbie was in there. Tell you the truth, that's, that's absolutely. And I still, to this day, do not do not understand why he took Robbie out of the out of the red zone and put and put Thorne in. I I, I haven't been able to figure out some of the quarterback substitutions myself. I, you know, I, I brought this up to someone else. I wonder if NIL's got anything to do with all this. I I I'd be very disappointed if it did. I mean, I don't care what anybody's getting. Uh, I don't. I don't care what they're getting. It's sort of like, just because you're being paid the most in a professional sport, if you're not performing and somebody else can do the job better, I would expect the coach to make a change. I feel the same way about NIL. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Bill. All right, I guess I'll let y'all go for today. All right, appreciate the call, Spectre. Great stuff, Spectre. Appreciate it. Uh, we will get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in again. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That'll get you through here on the Thursday Drive. Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 20 minutes here on this Thursday. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Drew at the controls, and let's get back to the drive hotline presented by Skybar Cafe. And Jerry is next. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. Um, I just had a basketball question. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Auburn playing Georgia State this year? That, in I, Atlanta, I believe that game was pushed back a year because Bruce Pearl talked about that when we were we were waiting on the schedule when we were waiting on the schedule to be revealed. Auburn played 
was was did Georgia State come to Auburn last year yeah. and play a men's game For and the belief was that, that Auburn would uh, make a yes. return visit Auburn uh Jerry Auburn is they are not playing Georgia State in Atlanta this year instead they are they are finishing the back half of the deal with App State they play Appalachian State on Sunday December 3rd in Boone and so I think that I think them pushing the App State series back push the other half of the Georgia State series back but they will be in Atlanta obviously to play Indiana that's this year another that's another probably four four to five thousand seat gym that Auburn's gonna be playing a game in, just mm-hmm. like the one in South Dakota and uh, they've, they've got the uh, App State to play metal games with you uh, like some of the Colorado area schools they will have the elevation posted everywhere and they make they make it seem like they're very worried about your health and it's like hey you know if you're feeling these effects of the elevation do this it's all mind games to try to get visiting players to to second guess how they're feeling because of the uh, because of the elevation but no that's a that's a cool gym in uh, downtown Atlanta, next to the former Turner Field, where Georgia State plays uh, their games, the new Georgia State Convocation Center, uh, I would guess that yeah. next next season Auburn makes a uh, trip to uh, Atlanta and plays a game there. Is my guess that would be a cool game, and you know I wish the old barn was still there. We could play some kind of special invitation game or something like that. At the old barn. Well, I've been I've been pushing for throwback night at Beard Eves. I don't know the logistics yeah. and the infrastructure and whether or not everything at Beard Eves is up to snuff for hosting yeah, I don't an know. event. Um, it wasn't that they. Uh, I, I talked to Justin about this off the air uh, that they didn't do a uh, a midnight madness or any sort of uh, event commemorating practice like you saw some other places. I know there were uh, issues with the outdoor uh, downtown one, but. I thought maybe uh, maybe Auburn tries some sort of tip off Saturday. They're going to have the open practice. The open that's practice that's about the, as close okay. as you're yeah. going to get 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 to have it this year. Yeah, well, looking forward to it. Y'all right. have a good day. All right, Jerry. Thanks for the call. We go from Jerry to Terry. Hey, Terry. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Pretty good. Hello, Terry. Guys, do y'all? Hey Dan. Hey Justin. Yes, sir. Uh, do y'all remember a couple of years ago when Ole Miss came in here with the Matt Corral offense that just supposedly couldn't be stopped? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Auburn pretty much shut them down. I think Matt Corral had pretty good numbers, and they scored like 20 points. But that's the reputation that Ole Miss team had with Lane Kiffin, that, that Matt, Corral, Matt Corral was going to be a high draft pick. They just could not be stopped. Yeah, and, and Terry, to your point, that 21 game for Auburn, you go back and look at it, a lot of fourth down stops in that game. It reminds mm-hmm. me as a smaller version of what Auburn did in 2019 against LSU where it's like, hey, you know, let's get stops. You may get your yards, but we got we to get you off the field and kick, you, kick field goals. The other thing, I will say this, Ole Miss's numbers, I don't know if y'all talked about this this week, but Ole Miss's numbers overall are really, really good offensively. They're kind of skewed a little bit. They did not move the ball really well against Alabama. Nope. They did not run the ball at all against Tulane. And uh, Arkansas held them in check for, for a decent amount two weeks ago. So this isn't an this isn't a unstoppable it's a good, it's a very good offense, but it's it's not an unstoppable offense. And to your point, Terry, a night game in Jordan Hare that should have a lot of emotion. I could see Auburn I could see Auburn playing really well on that side of the ball and kind of kind of bounce it back quick. Auburn started fast in that game two yeah. years ago Got Touch, to do that touchdowns touchdowns on three of their first four drives against Ole Miss and when Ole Miss uh you know Ole Miss trailed by uh by at least eight uh, for the entire second half and so Auburn was able to to keep some distance from Ole Miss yeah I, I don't think this is a team you know for obvious reasons you know it doesn't feel like Auburn this year is a team that's that's built to rally uh, in in the in the fourth quarter, you know, down multiple scores. No, there's also the concern that your defense, uh, you know, the the depth 
on your defense, you know, you're, you're not going to get their best football in the third and fourth quarter of football games. So I think a fast start is really important against a team like Ole Miss. And, and if Auburn can get some success early, maybe that maybe that causes Ole Miss to adjust uh, what they were trying to do. Yeah, and Lane Kiffin does not like games defensively controlled. He likes you to try to get the scoring match with him like LSU did. He reminds you of some of the old running rebel teams at UNLV in basketball. No, you're right. He's not comfortable. I don't think he's as comfortable with that. Um, so, I mean, that, that's that's Auburn's hope. And and I don't think, you know, Matt Corral would be anything close to Jackson Dart as a runner, but Jackson Dart's nowhere near to him in the passer either. And, and the interesting thing there, I, I looked it up this week, uh, since Jackson Dart's become the starting quarterback at Ole Miss – Awesome at home on the road. He almost he has almost as many interceptions as he does passing touchdowns. His numbers drop really high. Ooh, that's interesting. Far off it, it, away it, from home. It's crazy how many teams. Oh yeah, really, it's really like, struggle away from. It's home. like regular season NBA now. It really is where it's like role players are so much better at home mm. than they are on the road. Feed off the crowd, and and it yeah. really. I mean, it feels like it, you know the, the adjustments we've seen from multiple teams as far as they're one thing on the road and they're something completely different when you see them at sure. home. It's it's uh, it's it's really something this year. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. Appreciate the call, Terry. It's maybe one of the reasons Arkansas has been struggling because they haven't played a home game in a month. Yeah, as as David said, I mean, they did have they were the designated home team in Arlington. And in Arlington, and, but yeah, and, they they have not been at home. Yeah, this and so, that's always been funny about that game because I know why they play it. It's, you know, Jerry went to Arkansas and it's right. it's in his building and it, but it's like. It's like it's that, detrimental to Arkansas. Oh, it's a home, it's a home game for A and M every yeah. year. Well, and if you're Arkansas, you're playing home games in like three different stadiums over the course of the year. I think they're done with Little Rock. Are they aren't done they? with the? Because I, I think they are. Because Pittman said he wanted to keep playing games there at Media Days. Why? I, I didn't know if that because because of the the. Local, I don't think the, they're the playing fans, conference games there though. The, the fans. No, are, they I, used to play like they used to play like their 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 one of their paycheck games. I uh, I, I would think with uh, with Arkansas and, and Pittman also talked about not being able to host recruits for a month because you play you don't play a home game. Yeah, uh, right. Over the course of a month, I mean, that reminds me of the uh, reminds me of the 2019 Auburn season when you were when you had three road games in an off week all the entire right there in a the row. entire yeah, month of October without playing at home. Basically, the, right, whole, the whole month of October. Yeah. Yep. All right, we will uh, get to our final break of the afternoon. Still plenty of time for you to join in as we uh, head toward the finish here on the Thursday Drive. Experience and knowledge from the pros. Russell 